Dracula. I am Dracula. And I bid you welcome, Mr. Hart, to my heart. Come Our first award goes to the vampires for most blood drained in a single evening. The strength of the vampire is that people will not believe in him. my fellow vampire lovers. The sun is going down and you know what that means. It's time for me to record another episode of my podcast, The Beautiful Dead. As always, I am Lena Nazari and you can reach me by going to lenanazari.com where you can find links to social media. You can email me. That's lena at lenanazari.com. On Instagram, I'm the Beautiful Dead Podcast. On Twitter, I am PA Beautiful Dead. And on TikTok, I am Beautiful Dead Podcast. If you haven't already, please like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That's how new people find us. And I actually just had a new person reach out to me not too long ago who found the podcast uh, via iTunes. So that does help the podcast. And if you want to help me out, then that's what I'm asking for. Also, if you didn't hear on my last episode, if you go to Spotify and you look for the playlist Bite Shift Soundtrack, that's where I'm starting to compile some songs that I would love to use if my book ever turned into a movie. Big dream, but I'm putting it out there. I'm manifesting that. So if you have read the book and you know of a great song, uh, take a look, see if it's already on there. If not, let me know, add it to the playlist. I'm having a lot of fun with this. So that is the sound of a vampire screaming. That's because I made a mistake on my last episode. I was talking to you guys about appearances. I told you I'd be at MementoCon in May, and then I mentioned Supernatural Toronto, and I said that the dates had changed. I am wrong. The dates that are on right now were the original dates. I actually confused that convention with a convention I am looking at going to in Niagara Falls. Um in the beginning of July. So I actually confused myself. So if you guys were thinking of going to Supernatural and you thought, wait a second, the dates have changed. They have not. Please ignore me. I am sleep deprived. There's a lot going on in my brain. So I made a mistake. As I mentioned on the last episode, the sequel is done. I actually just got off the phone with the publisher. I'm waiting for the contract to show up so we can start working on my personal favorite part, the cover. Ooh, I'm so excited. So listen, if you guys want to get really quick updates, be the first to know things, then go to lenanazari.com, sign up for my readers list because I do send out updates. Um, And if you have signed up for my readers list and you don't have anything in your email, go check your junk folder because I see a lot of people here who said they've subscribed, but they haven't confirmed. That's because you didn't see the email where you need to click and confirm. So check your junk mail. You might just have some emails from me waiting. That is it for the behind the scenes stuff. That's 
it for updates. Here in Pennsylvania, we are um, experiencing negative degree temperatures and a huge COVID spike. So I hope wherever you are, you are warm and you are healthy. And I just want to give a shout out. I'm so sorry. I don't remember your name, but I was talking to a young lady at Target not too long ago, and uh, the discussion of the podcast came up, and she was the one who actually recommended the one that I'm going to talk about today. Uh, Funny story, I actually bought it as a DVD used at an FYE, and it's been on my list of things to watch. And um, she said, oh, you should do this movie. So I bumped it up to this week. I watched it last night. I was pleasantly surprised. And um, to her, if you're listening, I'm so sorry I forgot your name. But hey, I did it. I watched the movie and now I'm going to review it. So thank you for your recommendation. If you have a recommendation, please email me. I love to hear from you guys. I always... Uh, If it's on my list and you guys recommend it, I'll pull it up to do it sooner. And um, if you get a message back from me, whether on email or uh, social media, that is me responding. I love to hear from you guys. All right, let's move on. And for those of you who have never listened to my podcast, huge spoiler alert. I'm going to tell you who dies. I'm going to tell you how they die. I'm going to tell you who hooks up with who, who kills who. So just be ready. I'm going to spoil this movie. So today we are going to be talking about the Korean film Thirst from 2009. Uh, Again, a shout out to Wikipedia and IMDb. That's where I get a lot of my information. And also I did go and read Roger... Ebert's review of this film, he actually gave it four out of five stars. It's hard for horror movies to get good ratings, especially from Roger Ebert, um, but this one did. So I want to just apologize right now for my pronunciations. Like I said, it was Korean. It is Korean, and I did watch it in Korean with English subtitles. This movie's just over two hours long. You really do have to set aside the time. There's a lot going on, and you have to be able to read subtitles, so you do have to be focused to watch it. So I apologize if I am mispronouncing names. I'm going to do my very best. So the cast, we have Song Kang-ho as Sang Hyun, and I'll just be calling him Sang. We have Kim Ok-bin as uh, Tai-ju. We have Kim Hai-suk as Mrs. Ra, and Shin Hai-kyun as Kang-woo, and I'll just be calling him Kang. <clears throat> so here's the summary. Sang is a priest who, at at his heart, is a very good man. He volunteers in the hospital to help the sick. He sees what disease could do to people. It it eats him up. So he believes in the science of medicine. So despite his faith, he does believe in the science of medicine. And he is talking to a woman in confession early on, and he says, use the science that we have. Take antidepressants. Stop thinking about killing yourself. So they establish early on that he has deep faith, high morals, but does believe in science. As a matter of fact, he applies his beliefs and volunteers for an experiment to create a vaccine for this horrible disease that they call the Emmanuel virus. However, he contracts the virus. He becomes covered in boils. His health declines very quickly. And in an effort to save him, the doctors give him a blood transfusion. However, he does die. But it's revealed that the blood is tainted and the priest 
contracts vampirism and he comes back. So the word gets out that this priest is one survivor of the 500 volunteers. And so people believe that he is a miracle. So they're coming from all over begging him to pray for them or their families who are sick or dying. And one of the people begging for his prayers is Mrs. Ra, whose son has cancer. When Sang goes to pray for this man, his name's Kang Wu, he realizes this is a childhood friend. So Mrs. Ra remembers that this priest was a young orphan who would come to their house for noodles and she would take pity on him. Um, and Kang Wu's wife is Tai Zhu. She was also an orphan who was raised by Mrs. Ra like a daughter until Mrs. Ra marries Tai Zhu off to her son. It's clear that Tai Zhu is very unhappy in, in this situation. There's a line where the, the mother says, it was pretty easy to arrange the marriage. She just went from sleeping in my bed to his, which just made me cringe. Um, during this time, Sang is changing, and so we're seeing him kind of change. He uh, starts to heal the boils that he has. He's craving blood. He can't be in the sun. His senses are heightened, and eventually he does give in to the cravings and drinks the blood of the coma patient straight from the IV like a straw, and then once he does that, he sees all these remaining boils from the Emmanuel virus are gone. So then he starts sleeping in his closet to avoid the sun, and this is when Taiju starts to seduce the priest, and he does lust for her, but he's trying to fight off these desires. He actually beats himself to try and get rid of the lust that he's feeling. Eventually, however, he does give in, he sleeps with her, and he tells her what he is, and she eventually accepts this, asking questions about his powers and his abilities, and then tells Sang that her husband abuses her. Sang does eventually leave the priesthood and starts to stay with Mrs. Ra, his friend and his friend's wife, whom he is sleeping with, and overcome by his love for her and the belief that Kang Wu is beating her, Sang plans the man's death, so he takes him fishing and then drowns him. After this, the mother, who is overwhelmed with grief, has what I think is a stroke, and she can no longer speak or move, so she's now at the mercy of her daughter-in-law, who mistreats her. Finally, Taiju admits that Kang Wu never hurt her, and in a rage, Sang strangles Taiju. When he realizes that she's dead, he begins to drink from her and then turns her into a vampire. Mrs. Ra, by the way, is watching this whole thing happen. After becoming a vampire, Taiju is unstoppable. She kills without thought. And after slaughtering four people, Sang sees what he has created, takes them out to the desert before sunrise. He and Taiju die in the sun with Mrs. Ra in the back seat, watching the whole thing. So that is the movie in a nutshell. Let's let's start breaking down the vampires in this universe. Now we only ever see two vampires. So we are basing all of our breakdowns on these two. Appearance. They look human. You wouldn't know they were vampires. There is really no difference. The only thing is that all their injuries are, are healed. So right after being turned, as a matter of fact, we see Taiju keep admiring herself uh, in the reflection in the mirror because suddenly she has this flawless skin and she's just sort of obsessed with the way she looks. 
fangs. There are no fangs on these vampires. They bite with human teeth. We can assume that the jaw is more powerful as a vampire since they're easily biting through the skin. This particular filmmaker, he also did uh, Old Boy. A lot of sound effects in this. So like squishing and slurping. And so whenever they bite, there's like a squishing, squelching sound. Blood. Lots of blood in this one. The blood is an absolute necessity for these vampires. They do crave blood. Taiju goes right to murder. Uh, but Sang drinks from coma patients and he creates this plan to help those who are thinking about suicide by giving them a peaceful death and drinking from them. He also talks about draining one of Taiju's victims to keep in Tupperware in the fridge. So um, we know that blood is a necessity for these vampires, and we do not see them eat food. They only drink blood. As a matter of fact, Taiju offers a boiled egg to Sang, and he says no, and that's when he tells her about his condition. Being out of sunlight is a standard for these vampires. We, they have to be out of the sun. We first see Sang laying on his stomach on the floor, and the sunlight hits his back, and it starts to steam. Um, at one point, he actually flips a standing closet onto its back on the floor and then sleeps in it, like climbs in and sleeps in it like a big coffin. As far as religious items for these vampires, we can assume it's not addressed, but obviously religious items are not an issue for these vampires because the first half of his vampirism saying is still a priest. So he's in confession. He's around uh, crosses. He's wearing holy um, clothing. So we know that religious items, not a problem for these vampires. That takes us into rules. We, we don't really know too much about these vampires. Uh, we don't know if they have to follow rules like being invited in or they can't cross water or, you know, anything like that. And we know that they cast reflections because multiple times we do see these vampires reflected in mirrors. So as far as rules, we don't really know anything about these vampires. And they don't exist long enough in this universe to really learn too much about them. As far as their powers, we know they are very strong. They are seen throwing men. Uh, they lift up Mrs. Raw while she's still in the chair and carry her down the hallway with no problem. Uh, when they're fighting in the desert, Sang rips the trunk hood off the car and throws it. They're also very agile. We see them jumping from roof to roof to roof with no problem jumping from the roof to the ground. And at one point they lift up into the air almost like they're flying. So it's hard to tell if they can jump high or he's actually flying, but we see this multiple times. We also know that they have heightened senses, their eyesight, their hearing, their smell are all heightened. So those are the powers that we know of for these particular vampires. We never see them shift or dissipate or mesmerize or anything like that. But the standard stuff, strong, agile, heightened senses. How are they made? So we only see two transformations in this film. The first one is tainted blood from a blood transfusion. Uh, and then Taiju is made after Sang kills her and gives her his blood while drinking hers. 
Since no one was drinking his blood during his turn, we can safely assume that in this world, you just have to have vampire blood in put into your system in some way, whether it's drinking or through transfusion. And it has to be in or around or right after your death because we see him, he's dying. They, they call the time of death right around the same time as the transfusion. And then he comes back and then she is dead and then he gives her the blood and she comes back. Saying it takes a while to fully turn, that's the only thing that was kind of unclear here. Taiju turns pretty quickly. She gets the blood, she rises as a vampire. He takes more time. His his uh, transformation is a lot slower and I'm not sure why that is. Um, they don't really explain it, but it's totally different. Hers is instant. His takes time. How do they die? Well, we only see death by sunlight in this movie. And it's not like in other movies you get to see like the older vampire who comes and he explains all the rules and he explains how you can die and he explains all the things that you need to know as vampires. We don't have any of that. We just see Sang get turned and try and figure it out. And then Taiju get turned and within a matter of days they're both dead. So we don't really know too much, but we do see death by sunlight. So we know that that uh, can kill a vampire. The other thing is we, we see the Emmanuel virus boils return to Sang if he doesn't drink blood for a while. So we can assume that going too long without blood could kill you. So it's almost like the vampire blood overwhelms any flaw in the hu human system. But once that blood is out, you need to get more blood in. So um, we also see Taiju, when she goes a while without drinking blood, she is overwhelmed by the Emmanuel virus. And that's because she has his blood in her now. So obviously too long without blood and you're going to die. But we do see their wounds heal very, very, very quickly. So I don't know what they wouldn't be able to heal. As a matter of fact, when Sang is about to transition Taiju, he slits his wrist. And by the time he gets it to her mouth, it's healed. So he does it a couple times and has to move so quickly that he slits, drops it in her uh, mouth, and she starts sucking to keep the wound open. So that's how quickly they heal in this universe. Are they good or are they bad? This movie is actually an excellent example of it matters who you are at your core. That vampirism doesn't really change that. It only can exemplify that. Sang is a good man. He's turned. He fights his vampire urges. He is overwhelmed with craving for blood, but he controls himself. He's actively working to not kill anyone. He's filled with lust for Tai and even beats himself to try and fight off this lust. Even when he caves into the lust and eventually turns her, he ultimately kills himself and her to save the world. He even says, I wanted to be with you forever and ever, but I guess we'll be united in hell. So he, even though he loves her that much, he recognizes that he's done something bad and he fixes it. On the opposite end of the spectrum, we see Taiju, who does not even try and be good. In the beginning, she's a liar. She's a manipulator. That's as a human. So the first time she sleeps with Sang, and this is something I wanted to address because I think it speaks to his character. Um, 
It's not so much that he eventually gives in and sleeps with a married woman. Their first time together looked and felt to me like rape. He is actively trying to not sleep with her. She is forcing him. He doesn't look like he wants it to happen. So um, even that was not his doing. She took him because she wanted him. And it's, it's made clear over time, she wanted him because he's a priest and she wanted to ruin that innocence. That's why she was lusting after him. She wanted to ruin this good man. And then as a vampire, she's an absolute psychopath. He, she's given options for blood. She doesn't want it. She wants to murder. She has no regards for the humans she's killing. She starts to slaughter people in her own home. Um, putting them at risk. So it's, it shows that vampirism doesn't change who you are at your core. You're a good or a bad person who gets turned into a good or a bad vampire. Tropes I love. I love the idea of a tainted blood transfusion. It's not new. We've seen this before, but I just think it's so interesting. Um, Anytime science is used to unintentionally create a vampire or a vampiric outbreak, I think it's very, very cool. Now, I prefer the old-fashioned way of making vampires, but I do love this twist. It might just be because I, at my heart, am a scientist um, in what I do as a career, but I just love the idea of, like, one bad bag of blood and now you're a vampire. Tropes I hate. I've already talked about this. I don't think you guys are going to be surprised. I hate fangless vampires. I want my vampires to have two sharpened canines. That's what I want. The other thing I want to address is, and I, I know I've talked about this before. I talked about it with um, Edward in Twilight, uh, and I talked about it with... Um, Stefan in Vampire Diaries, Louie in uh, Interview with a Vampire. I normally hate mopey, self-hating vampires. However, the acting in this movie is so good. Sang is so believable as somebody who is struggling. He wants to be good. He hates what he's become. He doesn't like the situation he's put in. It doesn't actually come across as annoying. It, it comes across as very believable and relatable. And you see him slowly starting to give in. So I actually can't put that down as a trope I hate because, and this is a shout out to the actor who played him, it was so relatable that you could just feel the pain that he was in and you could see the struggle. All right, let's get into my favorite part and I think yours as well. Let's rate our vampires. How scary or evil are the vampires of thirst? So these vampires can be made very easily. Just some bad blood in your system, boom, we got some vampires. So that would be bad for us. Um, Clearly, they are driven by their base instincts, also not very good for us. Um, they're strong, they're fast, they're agile, they have heightened senses. All of this makes them dangerous for humans. But their impulses can be overcome by goodness in a person. Sang kills himself and Taiju pretty easily by just driving them out into the middle of nowhere and making their car unusable. He uh, turns the ignition off and snaps the key inside. He makes sure that she can't go anywhere and that's it, dead. I'm gonna give them a five out of 10 stakes to the heart. Pretty middle of the road. 
I think that they would have been discovered very quickly if Sang hadn't killed them both. He even says if the cops come to search this house since four people came became missing from here, they open the curtains, we're done. So pretty quickly, they would have been found out. They would have been bested. They seem not too complicated to kill. Doesn't seem like there's very many of them. However, the fact that they can be turned so quickly could turn into like a plague uh, before you know it. And they are sort of driven by their base instincts. So I'm gonna give them right in the middle, five out of 10 stakes to the heart. How sexy or alluring are the vampires of thirst. We know that sex is a factor in this type of vampirism since Sang's battle against his impulses includes lust pretty early on. It was not something that was really a thought in his mind prior to turning. Once he gives in, his desire for Tai is a huge motivator for him. It, it motivates a lot of what he does. It's hard to judge if it's just because it's something new that he normally didn't have in his life and now he's overwhelmed by the sensation or because the vampirism just makes you hornier. There is nothing overtly sexual about these vampires. They aren't super sexy beings. Um, they don't seem to have any kind of thrall over humans. It's pretty clear that Ty is attracted to Sang because he's a priest and she just wants to ruin his innocence and not because he's a vampire. Actually, once turned, she doesn't become more sexual. She actually only seems to care about feeding and getting blood. So I'm giving these vampires a two out of 10 onks for sexiness and allure. They get one point for being vampires. They get one for the overwhelming lust that is related to the heightened senses. In another situation, perhaps these vampires could be sexier, but these two ruin it. So there you go. Those are my ratings for the vampires of thirst. Now let's talk about my final thoughts here. Final thoughts on thirst with Lean and Azari. Vampirism has been used for a very long time by filmmakers as metaphors for something else. Let the right one in and Buffy used vampires to represent teen angst and social issues. In my book, vampirism represents the things that are thrown at us every day that we have to figure out to keep providing for our families and working towards our goals. In this film, vampirism really is about our darker side. As soon as he's turned, Sang is fighting these desires, trying to maintain his morals, even if it means he starves to death. But piece by piece, he starts to give in to this new ex existence. And to me, this is an example of how we can end up in a place or a situation that we never, ever thought we would ever be in. And, and I call this like little allowances. You know, first we peek at something we know we shouldn't. And then we take a little taste of something we know we shouldn't. Then kiss someone we know we shouldn't. And before you know it, you're in an affair, you're drinking blood, you're killing, you're cover-up killing, you're addicted. It's uncomfortable to watch because it's so relatable and you recognize how you have or could do the very same thing. You could start to slide down this slippery slope and end up in a situation that you never thought you would be in. You question yourself, like, 
who would you be in this situation? Would you fight it or would you give in immediately? Within a day, Taiju is is looking right at saying, saying, why do you act human? We're not human. That's in less than a day. So she so quickly walks away from her humanity and then she's killing the next night and not just killing, but killing brutally and without any regard for this human. The acting is so good. It's hard to decide who you dislike the most out of Mrs. Ra, her son Kang, or her daughter-in-law. I'm almost cheering when I realized what Sang was doing when he drove Taiju out into the desert. When, when Taiju pulls herself and him into the trunk and slams it down, only for him to kick it off, I was glued to the screen. It was so good. The whole movie is so much about how we can so quickly make these couple of little bad choices or these allow these tiny little concessions and then before you know it you have abandoned who you were at your core so that is my thought about this movie i was a little overwhelmed in the beginning because i did watch it in korean with english subtitles it's over two hours long you have to be able to sit and watch it and really take it in and be in the moment you can't be doing something else so that was a little overwhelming in the beginning in the beginning, it was kind of hard to get into because it's so much exposition. It's a little dry before the action really takes off. But once it takes off, it was so good. I mean, I highly recommend this movie to anybody who's a vampire lover, um, anyone who really loves uh, Korean horror or just particularly this, these uh, actors or filmmaker, highly recommend. So glad that somebody told me to sit down and watch it. And that ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, is my take on the 2009 Korean horror vampire film, Thirst. This is a nice quick one for you, something you can listen to while you're walking on the treadmill or doing some laundry. I just wanna thank you guys again for making it all the way to the end. I hope you are warm, I hope you are healthy, I hope that you are enjoying yourself, chasing your dreams, and as I say to all of my fans, I wish you wicked hugs and bloody kisses. Good evening.